Welcome into the Bear Down Podcast right here on the ESPN Chicago app. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah. You can listen to our show weeknights, 6 day, right here on ESPN 1000. And Tuesdays and Thursdays, we talk Bears football in the NFL with you. And Abdallah, it's mock draft season. That's right. We have the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday, Super Bowl 54, the Chiefs and the Eagles. But here in Chicago, we're focused on the number one pick and what can Ryan Poles do with said number one pick to get more assets for the Chicago Bears in the future. Yeah, there's a new mock draft up on ESPN.com from Matt Miller, draft expert for ESPN.com, and it uh, has the Bears making a trade at the top of this draft. So this draft goes through the first two rounds, two full rounds of a mock draft, and it has the Bears trading the number one overall pick. With the Colts for the number four overall pick and a their second round pick and then another pick in a fourth rounder and a 2024 third rounder. So we don't get to know what the fourth rounder is or obviously what the 2024 third rounder is going to be. But Matt Miller has them taking someone at number four and at number 35. And then again with the Bears own pick later in the second round. So at the, the top of the board, this is how it shakes out then after the trade that Matt Miller uh, suggests, and he was on this podcast last spring heading into the NFL draft. He's really good. He's suggesting that the Colts are the ones that make the move to go get up to one. They take Bryce Young, quarterback from Alabama. That leaves the second pick to the Texans, and the, the Texans selecting a quarterback, Kentucky quarterback Will Levis, goes number two. Arizona stays at three, and the Cardinals select Will Anderson Jr., the defensive end from Alabama, the Bears are at four, and they would land Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia, with the fourth pick. Now, obviously, we'll get into what else the Bears would recoup for trading from one to four. But if the Bears stick at four and can land Jalen Carter, who's arguably a top two player of this draft, right? Like, if we remove quarterbacks from the conversation, it seems as if the collective agreement is the top two players in the draft are are Jalen Carter and and Will Anderson. Those yeah. are the two top players. But then you factor in need at quarterback, and that's where Bryce Young drops up, jumps up to the number one guy, and then we can debate Levis, C.J. Stroud, however that kind of works out. But for all intensive uh, pieces of argument for this mock draft on ESPN.com that was released this week, if the Bears move back to four and still get a top two player in Jalen Carter – that would be a huge win for Ryan Poles. Yeah, I think it would be. Um, I don't think the compensation is enough, for me at least, right? So for me, I, if you're coming up to the number one spot and you're getting your franchise quarterback, the conversation for me starts with flipping for your first-round pick, so one to four in this case, and I need your, I need your first-round pick next year. That's where it starts. You want to give me a second-round pick also? Fine. Or you want to take away that second-round pick and say only give me that third round or that fourth round? Fine. But the conversation starts with first round this year, first round next year, or else I'm not even picking up the phone. Because if you're jumping up three spots to get the number one pick of the draft and you're jumping up ahead of a team that needs a quarterback in the Houston Texans, because you assume then you call the Texans back and you say, hey, they want this pick. What are you going to offer me? And then to me, if the Bears don't end up with uh, the team that they flips with first-round pick this year and their first-round pick next year, then they didn't do a good enough job negotiating. 
Yeah, I think that's a fair way to look at it. Matt Miller writes this in relation to the Bears taking Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia at four. The Bears traded back in this scenario, but are still in position to select perhaps the top prospect in the class. In Matt Eberflus's defense, a three-technique pass rushing is critical. Carter is a Fletcher Cox-like difference maker there. He can play in a rotation. In uh, he played in rotation in 2021 and had an injury plagued 2022. So we didn't see him post great stat totals, just six career sacks. Uh, when watching historically talented Georgia's defense the past two years, however, he was the most talented of the bunch. Carter's burst off the snap has a potential to be great, and he has already displayed his understanding of leverage, space, and timing when unleashing spin and rip moves. He should enter the NFL as a high-end starter at the position on which Eberflus's defense hinges. So, you know, when you look at the fit of a player to the defense need and what the team needs for uh, improvement overall defensively, this is the player, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, we can have the debate between Will Anderson and Jalen Carter. What do you value most, getting, getting to the quarterback or stopping the bleeding up front as far as the run game. I think specifically the Bears were in uh they were in worse shape when it came to trying to stop the run last season. And I think if you want to build out a defense, stopping the run has to be objective number one. I, I think that if you address that, you can maybe find a pass rusher in free agency. You can maybe find additional defensive line help. Uh, in free agency, and that's like the key that I think may tip the hand for Ryan Poles is that we'll have free agency at March 1st. We'll have it before the NFL draft. So we'll know if the Bears go out and spend big for a defensive tackle, then it may be likely that they eye Will Anderson as the guy or perhaps maybe even moving back even farther in the top 10 to get into that like 8-9 range or then they can maybe select a wide receiver. I, I think that would be beneficial as well. But if they take an edge rusher in the free agent market to, to spend a lot of money on, then you know at four, if the Bears stick there, defensive tackle is where they're going, and Jalen Carter would be the guy. Well, if you look at the rest of the draft, too, for the Bears, so Matt Miller has them taking then with their second or their uh their later second or second round pick that they get from the Colts has them taking Zay Flowers the wide receiver out of uh Boston College who's very fast has good hands but the knock on him is that he's short he's only 5'10 so that's been the knock on him so far but if you paid attention to some of these you know like the East West Shrine game and like some of these mock draft people that are starting to put together these videos and like who they like Zay Flowers is shooting up the wide receiver board and the draft board for people and then at 53 the pick that they got from Baltimore for Robert Quinn um, they have the Bears taking, or Matt Miller has the Bears taking Zach Harrison, the defensive end from Ohio State. So this is a guy who was a former five-star recruit, 6'6", 272, had his best season in 2022 with three and a half sacks and 25 pressures. So that, basically, you take care of it. Like, are you getting Will Anderson? No. But you're getting Jalen Carter, the best, you know, three technique in the draft, and then you're also getting a very good, not necessarily like the greatest in the draft, but you're still getting 
a top defensive end who played at Ohio State against pretty good competition, and then he had the three-and-a-half sacks and 25 pressures. So to me, that's that's a guy who's getting to the quarterback and causing you know errant throws with the 25 pressures. He only got to the quarterback three-and-a-half times, but 25 pressures is a lot of pressures. So yeah. I'm not... I'm not upset with this mock draft, but I think the compensation is lacking, like I said earlier. But the three players that they get would address three needs. You need a wide receiver. You need uh, you need to shore up that defensive line, and you do that before you even get to the middle of the second round with the 53rd pick. Uh, when looking at this mock draft, a, a couple other things to note, right? Quarterback plays such a huge role in how the first round plays out in the NFL draft. Bryce Young goes one, Will Levis two. We can debate between Levis and C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud on this mock board uh, doesn't get selected until nine with Carolina. Now, if you told me we get to draft day and C.J. Stroud drops to nine and Carolina doesn't have to move to get their quarterback to the for the future, to me, this move, like forget the fact that they both went to Ohio State. This feels very much like the draft process and, and the draft conversation heading into Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson. Yeah. Right? Like, Justin Fields was the second best talent, yet there was uh, rogue Dan Orlovsky reports that he was a bad guy in the locker room and he wasn't putting into work and all this crap that was out there. And, and Justin Fields fell to the Bears, which was our benefit. But if C.J. Stroud doesn't go until nine, that would be surprising to me. If, if you have three quarterbacks that go in the top ten, but Stroud going nine, that would be surprising to me because the Raiders are sitting at seven. They don't take a quarterback. Maybe they do something in free agency. And then as you continue on, the next quarterback taken – you're you're looking middle of the first round, and that's Washington at 16, who would take Anthony Richardson from Florida. To me, would that surprise you if C.J. Stroud is sitting there at nine for Carolina, where Carolina doesn't have to move to get their quarterback? I would hope that they would end up moving with the Bears and trading back a second time for that pick, but it wouldn't surprise me at all, I don't think, because if you look at uh, the teams in the way of that, right? So... We know that the Cardinals aren't going to take a quarterback because they have Kyler Murray and they just paid him a butt ton of money. The Seahawks could say, hey, we're fine with Geno Smith. We like what he was doing. We'll take a quarterback later in the draft as like a backup or whatever, but we're fine with Geno Smith. If you uh, then go to the Lions and Jared Goff, Jared Goff still has two years left on his contract. He's getting He's got a cap hit of $30 million this year and $31 million in 2024. And the Lions put up very good offensive numbers and could just say, hey, we like, we think we found something in Jared Goff and we got to pay him anyway, so we might as well just pay him because the dead cap isn't horrible, but you have to get out now. Like, they have to get out right now because the dead, the potential out is this offseason. Right. From the, for the, before we get to the 2023 uh, season. So you have to get out now. So we'll know before the draft whether or not they want to do that. Uh, the, the Raiders... I mean, it depends on what the, what they do in the off in free agency, right? Do they sign Jimmy Garoppolo? Do they trade for Aaron Rodgers? Like, we'll know before the draft what the Raiders are going to do, and that takes them out of contention if they do that. And then you get to the Falcons. Like, did Desmond Ritter show enough 
to be the guy this year? Do they just plan on, like, do the Falcons just go into this year and be like, you know what, we'll see what Desmond Ritter has, and worst case scenario, we're in this spot again, and then we've got the potential of Caleb Williams or Drake May. Like, we just go through the season doing that, and we're fine doing that. Because then you get to Carolina, and you're like, okay, well, then there's C.J. Stroud. Like, do, do, the, do the Falcons take, as Matt Miller says, a defensive end and just start building their defense and go, you know what, once we've built everything, then Caleb Williams, Drake May, or even another year after that and just see what Desmond Ritter has in a full year without, like, the Marcus Mariota stuff and all that kind of thing. Like, let's just see what Desmond Ritter has. So, yeah, could I see it happening? Yeah, I could. I just made the case for it to happen. Yeah, I think the uh, the Falcons surround Ritter with some support. Okay. I don't think it's uh, uh try it once and then jump out of there type of thing. So the outliers are the Seahawks and, and the Raiders, right? The Raiders yeah. don't have a quarterback right now. No. And the Seahawks need to make a decision about Geno Smith, whether or not they want to move forward with him as the quarterback and whether they think they've found something in Geno Smith. Right. So really, if they, ha- if they stick with Geno, you just have to decide what the Raiders are doing in the offseason. Like, if the Raiders sign Garoppolo before the draft, it's over. If they trade for Aaron Rodgers before the draft, it's over. Because the, I would assume the Packers would want to use this seventh overall pick as part of that trade. Like, they want to use it this year because you assume that that Raiders pick is only going to get worse next year. Yeah, yeah. So, if we find that out, then yeah. Then, then, you, then to me, if you're trading with, if you're the Bears, like, to push this forward with the Bears, if you trade with the Colts, you better be calling the Texans. And say, hey, the Colts are coming up to take your guy. Are you cool with that? Or do you want to take him first? And then you trade with the Texans, and then that's when you trade with the Seahawks, and then the Seahawks end up moving up, and then the Colts are left with Will Levis or C.J. Stroud or whoever. The other piece of this as a Bears fan uh, to note in the first round is where are the wide receivers going? The first wide receiver on the board in this mock draft uh, heads to Houston, number 12, Jordan Addison, the wide receiver from USC. He won the Bolitnikoff Award last year, uh, or two years ago now, in college football. Last season, his numbers are down a little. He he dealt with injuries, but he was still very good for USC and uh, Caleb Williams and, and that offense. It was so explosive. But his eye-popping numbers were from the year before at Pitt when he was the best wide receiver in college football. Going 12th, which is surprising because a lot of mock drafts, don't have Addison as the number one wide receiver no. off the board. Now, in this mock draft on ESPN.com, it goes with uh, number 12, Jordan Addison, as the first wide receiver off the board. Number two off the board would be to Seattle at number 20, and that's Jackson Smith and Jigba, the wide receiver from Ohio State. He dealt with a ton of injury issues mm-hmm. uh, in his last season of college football. He only but played like half the games. Ha- heading into the, the year, he was expected to be the number one guy on draft boards, mm-hmm. uh, but dealt with a ton of injuries. So that that's something to keep your eye on. And then there's the uh, player from TCU who has gotten a lot of publicity, and that's Quentin Johnston from uh, TCU. He goes 22nd to Baltimore. So... Three wide receivers in the first round. We've seen different uh, levels of where they get placed. Uh, 25 also has a wide receiver, Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee. He was someone that was all the the rave throughout the college football season. Tennessee was one of the most talked about teams in this last season of college football. So of the four wide receivers in the first round in this mock draft, 
Can the Bears land one of them? And at that point, does it really matter how high you are in the first round if we are now starting to see uh, multiple different opinions as far as mock drafts go, suggesting who number one is, who number two is, and who number three is? I, I feel like if there's a consensus that the number one guy is Johnston, then you look at it and say, well, we got to be at like nine or 10 to get him. But if that's not the case, and you could be 12 or 20 or 25, then your concept of Ryan Poles moving back and back and back and collecting assets, it doesn't really matter. Just get to like, you know, 19 or 20, and you can land either uh, Smith and Jigba or Jordan Addison for however it plays out. I guess the question is, and what we've, we've been, you know, reading through this draft process is that it's not an insanely deep wide receiver class. It's just very top-heavy, right? So how much of a drop-off is there from, like, Jalen Hyatt to the Giants at 25 to Zay Flowers at uh, 35, where the Bears end up taking him in this mock draft, right? Like, what's the drop-off? Like, Jalen Hyatt... Because I don't know if Zay Flowers is as much of a household name as the other ones, right? Like the other wide receivers, like Jalen Hyatt, everybody knows from uh, from Tennessee. You've got you know Jackson Smith and Jigba, everybody knows from Ohio State. Yeah, you know, like everybody knows these, like Quentin Johnson. Everybody's well, like the kid from TCU. Oh, well, Quentin Addison, Johnson. Addison, and uh, Smith and Jigba came into the season, yeah. as touted top wide receivers for the draft a year ago, right? And then Hyatt comes in because of the eye-popping numbers in production. Mm -hmm. And then Johnston comes in because TCU had an incredible run that no one expected them to get to the national title game. So, like, if TCU is 500 and battling in the the Big 12, I don't know if there's necessarily the same... Uh, juice between uh, behind the like campaigning for how great he is as a wide receiver. He's very good, and I get it. But but that's just my question. Like, what's the like? Where's the line? Like, how much of a drop off is it? Because to me, if you end up, if you keep trading back and back and back, like if Houston calls you and you're like, hey, we can't let the Colts trade with you. We'll give you two and twelve, and you're like, okay, cool. Give me two and twelve. And then you take two and you flip it for something else, but you still have that 12th pick overall, right? And so maybe use that on a wide receiver. Or maybe if you keep moving back, that's when you call the Bengals, like we've talked about, and said and say, hey, are you going to pay T. Higgins? Because we'll take him off your hands for a late first round, early second round pick, right? Because that's the going rate. That's the going rate, though. Well, no, think of it this way, right? If you pull off that trade, like it suggests in this mock draft, uh, where you get four and thirty-five, mm-hmm. I would without a doubt trade thirty-five for T. Higgins. But that's not the going rate. AJ Brown was traded for a first round and an extra, and Stephon Diggs was traded for AJ Brown was the eighteenth yeah. and something else, and okay. Diggs was twenty-second and something else. So, play okay. So go back to go back on it. When I said that it doesn't matter who you get as long as you're in the first round, Mm -hmm. well, if you move back enough in the first round, that pick, like I would rather have T. Higgins than any of the guys who are are projected to be first-round picks this year. And this is why I'm kind of hell-bent on them getting a 2024 first-round pick from one of these teams because I would say to the Bengals, how about we give you like a third round this year and a 2024 pick next year? Right. 
because that to me, they want to get money off the books, right? So if you're trading picks and you give them a third round this year, that's no money on the books, basically. And then your 2024 pick next year from whichever team you get, right? Like if it's the Panthers, if it's the Texans, whatever, then you just say fine. And if if it ends up being a high picket, so what? You have T. Higgins, right? Like if it ends up being your pick and let's say you think you're going to be a 500 team and ends up being 17 or 18, then so be it. Because I want to use my picks that I have this year now, but I'm willing to give you a pick next year. Like, if the Bears end up having two first-round pick next year, like their own and whatever team they end up trading with, trade one of them for T. Higgins, and then you can say next year, hey, guess what? We drafted T. Higgins with this, and he's put up monster numbers with Justin Fields, and, like, this is great, and he's got 3,000 yards. Like, he's awesome, right? Because to me, it's too much this year, like, to trade 12 for him or to trade 9 for him. Like, that's too high. I could see that. But a future pick, that's out of my mind. I don't even know what that's going to be yet. It could be 10. It could be be 30. Like, I don't know. Well, it also would give you the opportunity that if you really are concerned about solidifying weapons around Justin Fields, say in fantasy land you get that deal done for Higgins and you somehow keep your first rounder this year, Mm -hmm. you could say, with the 18th or 19th pick, take Jordan Addison, mm-hmm. and then you have T. Higgins, yeah. established number one, Jordan Addison, who is expected to become a number one, if not number two, Darnell Mooney as your three slot receiver, yep. and then four, Chase Claypool, where there's no expectations, just no, be just, a guy who contributes. Just catch, dude. And and now now you're like that's a yeah. solidified wide receiver core. Mm-hmm. And if Cole Komet can be yeah, as good as he was this year, fine. Boom, that's great. Yeah. And and that's that's a way to build. And all the people that are coming at us. Uh, what about the defense? No, no, you, no. It's the offensive line. What about people? the offensive line? Listen, your offensive line will not matter to the same extent if you have those three. Pass catchers as your top three. Well, plus that's what Higgins, you have. Uh, a Johnston and or. But think about it, Addison. But and then only, Donald Mooney. But we're like, only talking about done, the first round. You know what I mean? Like we're only no, talking about. So you still have second round, third round, fourth round. You have all this money. You can still fix your offensive line. It just doesn't have to be in the first round. Yeah. Of like course. you can solve your wide receiver problems in the first round by trading a pick for T. Higgins, by getting Jordan Addison or Quinn Johnson or whatever, and then the, both both people can be both groups of fans can be appeased, right? I'm just, I'm just saying, the wide receiver position uh, alleviates some of the issues that a quarterback has. Yeah, he's got to have time to throw, though. Time to throw, yes. Yeah. He also has to have wide receivers who can A, get open, and B, when it's close, make a play on the ball. Yeah. That's a major issue with this team. Mm-hmm. It's not like that's the thing. People want to knock Justin Fields for sometimes missing throws, but also he has no wide receivers making any plays for him. Like T. Higgins is a wide receiver who makes plays on the damn football. Yeah. He goes up and he gets it and he uses body position. Mm-hmm to finagle and to make room and to go up and get a catch in, in, in traffic. Like, that's what you need. And and that, also with a little help on the offensive line, makes it all work. But that's I, what you've got I, money and other picks for, right? Like, use, right. Just, use your second-round pick on an offensive lineman. Use a third-round pick on an offensive lineman. Use some money on offensive linemen. That's three offensive linemen right there. Boom. I just feel like a lot of people would take, if you had an allotment of resources, 
a lot of people, I think, would put the majority of their resources towards fixing the line because they think the line makes the quarterback. Yeah. Where I would say I need players – well, look at what happened when I Darnell need, Mooney I need got players. hurt. Look at what happened when Darnell Mooney got hurt. I need wide receiver and yeah. weapons. That's what I need. I'm, and then we'll sure up the offensive line because the, the little secret that, that any Bears fan is having hard, a hard time realizing is almost every offensive line needs help yeah. in the league. There's like three or four really good ones, yeah. and everyone else from and, week to week is dealing with issues. And guess what? One of the ones that needs help uh, – is in the Super Bowl. Like, the Chiefs' offensive yeah. line isn't fixed. The Chiefs, the Bengals. Yeah. You know, look all over the place. Philadelphia is different. Their offensive line is stellar. Best NFL, uh, so, line so yeah. yeah, if you want to come at us with the Eagles, go for it. But, you know, week to week, uh, with health, uh, with the efficiency of the line, it's not a guarantee. Well, think about it. How many, how many offensive linemen do you think they need? Braxton Jones is probably staying. And Tevin Jenkins is probably staying. Ah, uh, what about Patrick? He's probably there, right? Center. I would guess they need two starters, and then they need like an additional depth piece. But but your depth guys are coming later. Yeah, no, your depth I know that. guys are. F- well, I'm saying fifth. I think they need two starters. Undrafted free agents. Yeah. Okay, so two starters. You can't do that in the th- second and third round. You well, can't do that in free agency. They could do that on March first. Yeah, that, that could be a, assignment number one. Is you address that, and then you know in the draft you don't have to worry about it. That's fine. I just think both groups of fans can be appeased. Like, the one thing I'm not too hell-bent on fixing right away is the defense. Because I need to—I've said it before. I need to know what Justin Fields is. And so if our proposal of getting wide receivers and offensive linemen early, to me, that's best where your money and picks are served. Because unless you have the fourth overall pick, then fine. Take Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, whoever's available. That's fine. Because you're not taking a wide receiver that early. But to me, fixing the defense can be done— next year with a couple first-round picks and a second-round pick. Like, that's where you can make that. And you're still going to have money next year, too. Like, you know, you can have cap space in 2024 also. You know what I mean? Like, there's, it's not like they're just going to have, like, oh, well, that's our money. Well, I, I think um, I think if you want to win games, the defense does need to improve. I agree with you, but... They're not, they're not going to win games with the way the defense played last year. I understand year. that. However, guys were hurt, and also... Of the one-score games that we talk about with this team, they had the ball at the end of the game. Better weapons yeah. might turn some of those L's into W's. Oh, yeah. No, and that's, no why I, that's why I think that it's so imperative to not have guys that are muffing punts and not having wide receivers who the ball gets ripped out of their hand or Darnell Moody can't get a butt cheek down in the end zone. Like, that to me is where this is, like, most imperative. Like, yeah, the defense gave up a ton of points. I understand that. But in seven or eight games this year that were one-score games, they had the ball at the end and couldn't do it. And it wasn't because of Justin Fields. It was because of their wide receivers. We continue uh, with our coverage of Super Week. Uh, You'll hear more uh, NFL and Super Bowl conversation on Black and Abdallah tonight. The big show at 6 o'clock, 6 to 8 weeknights here on ESPN 1000. And then Tuesdays and Thursdays, we have the Bear Down podcast. We'll have more mock draft conversations for the next couple of months. It's the best time of year to be a football fan. Like, I get the games are great. We love watching football. I love 
breaking down mock drafts, Mm -hmm. previewing uh, the players who are going to be featured in the first round, the different quarterbacks, the wide receivers, what the Bears should do with strategy. It's all going to be found right here on the Bear Down Podcast, Tuesdays and Thursdays, right here on the ESPN Chicago app. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Black and Abdallah on the Bear Down Podcast.